Hello, uh, my name's Judy, Judy Bruce, and I met Douglas in 1968. I feel very, very fortunate to have known such an amazing person and to have learned from him. And as the time went on, um, learned from all the other people who came to see um, just what it's about. Um, I don't think that I've always been assiduously practicing it by any means, um, but it's always been something I've come back to. And it's the most important thing that I've ever found in my entire life. I think we probably all say that. And um, it's the uh, way in which it's all been put together and, and the way in which seeing links to just about everything you can ever think of, I think is absolutely marvelous. And the richness of the experience and the um, knowledge around it is true education. Um, I think that's probably about all for me. Um, I will pass on to Catherine. Thank you, Judy. And it's, um, it's fun to be here. I learned about headlessness in 2015. And I came across it sort of accidentally. I had studied uh, Vipassana meditation prior to um, learning headlessness. Um, it was really kind of um, it just uh, shocking or transformative. It really transformed my my life, and um, and it shows up for me in everyday experiences. It's it's a refuge. It's a it's a, a helpful helpful uh, place to to view the world from and to uh, be free of identifications and conditioning. So um, yeah, I think helpless um, headlessness is very helpful. And um, yeah, happy to be here with you all. And I will pass off to Katie. If you would like to introduce yourself next. Hi, I'm Katie. It's great to be here. Great to be with you all. I'm from Toronto, Canada, and I've been with the Headless oh, um, Way about two years. And I've tried so many things like the Vipassana, Course in Miracles. I did this course, Edging Out the Ego, and um, Lastly, I came to this and I'm really grateful. Um, I just cannot say how grateful I am, <laughs> but we will, I will talk about that a little bit later. Um, yeah, because it, it has been a ride like these two years and I really want to talk about that. Carolyn. Hi, I'm Carolyn. I'm in San Diego, California. And I first came to headlessness about five years ago through the finders course. And I was, um, it really struck me right away, but it wasn't until about a year and a half later when I went to a workshop with Richard that I understood what it really meant. And leaving the workshop, all of a sudden I realized there was really nothing here. Um, and when there's nothing here, there's no place for a self to reside. 
And the non-self had always been so mysterious. I looked for that, um, tried to explore that in Buddhism for about 10 years. And all of a sudden, it was just super simple, super clear. And I'm just really happy to have found this. Alice, want to go ahead? Sure. Um, I read on Having No Head, Douglas Harding's uh, first, not his first book, but his first popular book, I think, years and years ago, but I never did the experiments. So like, I think I've heard of a lot of people that that same thing happened to them. And then over the years, I did various different things, uh, Zen meditation and other forms of meditation. And then I ran into a gathering of the Headless Way at, in Oregon. So I come from Oregon, by the way. <laughs> and, and I met Christine there, Catherine there, and Carolyn maybe the next year. I can't remember. It's been a number of years now. And Katie, I've, I've met in Pennsylvania and Judy in Salisbury. So it's really, um, so let's see. <laughs> uh, I can say that it blew my head right off and um, made all the Zen books on my bookshelf make sense and has changes my life every day. So I'm really glad that I actually did the experiments and that I can now read the books and have the experiments, do the experiments and share the experience of this unfolding aspect uh, and the unfoldingness of it all with, with other people. And let's see what else do I want to say about it. Just, I kind of have this slight regret that I didn't do the experiments in the 70s. But, and think, wow, I'm late in life coming to this, but hey, no time like the present, right? So, Christine. Hi, I am Christine, and um, Maui's in me. Um, I'm very grateful as well. I think that's been one theme across the board here that we're all tremendously grateful for the Headless Way and the blessing and grace that it bestows upon our lives. And um, it seems so simple to just point at one's no face. And a lot of people might say, well, so what? You, so you can't see your head big deal. You can't see your back either, or the bottom of your feet. And I think that um, it's simplicity is overlooked, because it's pointing to who we really, really are as awareness or infinite potential or this capacity. It's like, just going with this soft view that allows the everything and nothing to just be present all at once. And so looking back, I cannot see my face, but instead I see the world and the world is in me and, I, and this body is in me. So I'm not my body, but I have a body. So it's, it's really kind of an understanding that 
for me, I I saw it like that, but the so whatness of that has been evolving over time. The meaning of it has been kind of layering or unlayering, however you want to term that over time. It's been really, really, really helpful. So in order for everyone to understand this more, um, I, I'm hoping listeners are aware of the Headless Way. And just as a little addendum here, if anyone wants to, more information, there are all these experiments on headless.org. There's videos, there's podcasts, there's um, an app that gives you an alarm every hour to remind you to continue to look back. So there are all these resources available on headless.org. But with that said, now I'm going to pass it to Catherine to share an experiment. Okay. Um, so this experiment um, involves, so um, first really noticing, noticing this wide space here. So when I, my view out, I see, I see the room I'm in, I see this screen before me, but I do not see a face here. There's clear wide open space. And I can test it by putting my hands back behind. They just, they disappear into kind of a nothingness, a void. And, and then I bring them back. And again, I can see this view here. The next part of this experiment involves holding out one's hand and, and making a fist to create some tension. And in doing this, noticing this, this tension in the location, the space, where is this, this tension happening? And, and here I'm noticing that there's this tension, but I'm noticing that the view, the, the awareness is, doesn't seem to be impacted. So there's tension here and I can even release and create the tension again. But again, the view, this is happening in the view and the sensations are happening just as the seeing and hearing is happening, but the, this pure awareness is, is not impacted. I don't see an impact in the, the awareness that I'm seeing from. And Katie, would you like, are you going to do an experiment next? Yep. So okay. this experiment is called a single eye experiment and what you do is you can use your glasses or I'm gonna put your hand like your fingers like this and with it's it is a little put it a little away from you so that you can see in you can see that there is a line between the two holes and if you close one eye you can actually see the difference like the view from the left circle and the right circle. So there are two circles with two different views and there is a line in the middle, a dividing line. And now you bring it slowly, slowly 
towards your face and the hole is getting bigger and the middle line is getting blurrier and you slowly, slowly and you bring it right up to your eyes. And now ask yourself, how many views do you have? Is it one view or do you use two, two separate things? And is there any dividing line in the middle? And what I see is just one view and there's no dividing line. And that's your single eye. And I love this experiment because when I was searching many, many years, I keep wanting, praying, hoping, begging to somebody, please open my third eye because I have read about, you know, if you just open your third eye, you will have realizations upon realizations. And, and I do Tai Chi and I was going to pay this master. I was like, how much do you want? Just open my third eye, do something. <laughs> and when I got this, this experiment, the single eye experiment, I was like, what? It's that easy? It's free? I don't have to beg and plea and pray and wait. These experiments are just life-changing. I mean, I can cry how, how I am grateful for these experiments and to Douglas. Thank you. Can I say something after that? I, um, before I met Douglas, I was doing Zen meditation. I happened to be in Japan and I found out about Zen, which I knew nothing about. And I went to a monastery and I did the sitting and I had the koan mu, which means nothingness. And <clears throat> I thought I would have to spend eight years I knew it was going to take a very long time to get enlightened. And like Katie, I really wanted to be enlightened. I thought it would make me an okay person. And that was what I really wanted at that time. I was quite young. And when um, Douglas actually showed me this, um, he did it by asking whether I was looking out of two eyes, just like we've done now. And I said, yes, of course. And he said, that's nonsense. And because he was rather um, an awe-inspiring person to look at, who's had terrific uh, kind of presence, um, I was astonished, so astonished that my mouth fell open and I couldn't think of a thing to say because my mind went completely blank and I just looked. And I said, I'm looking out of nothing. And of course, that was the answer to my koan. And like um, Elisa said, I found after that, <clears throat> I understood all these Buddhist scriptures, which seemed so very obscure and um, difficult to make sense of. And actually, they're from this perspective, they're perfectly sensible and they make absolute, um, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you just read the Heart Sutra, it's all about seeing who you are from looking down from this place on high. And as um, Christine said, seeing 
that your body is in this spaciousness which you are. And it is simple and it's available to everybody. And um, yeah, amazing, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's it's lovely because we don't need um we don't need to worship a guru. There really is no hierarchy of having somebody who bestows something some kind of blessing on you or hits you on the head with a peacock feather. It's, it's just available right now and always has been. And when I, um, when I recognized my true nature, it was through a poster of Ernst Mach, M-A-C-H. And the picture of Ernst Mach is a self-portrait of Basically, it's a headless self-portrait where he's just lying on a couch in a room and you can see that he has no head and he's just his body. And Ellis is actually holding up uh, sort of a headless portrait. And in video games, there are these first-person shooter games and they're similar these first person shooter games where it's just like arms the avatar has these arms and they're going through the video game and they're pointing a gun and i'm not espousing those games in any way but i find it very interesting that they are showing the first person point of view and so we're not saying we don't have heads we do have heads we know that but from my point of view, I don't have a head and that means something to me. It means that my true identity is conscious awareness, awakeness, open, spacious capacity, the mystery. I'm void. I'm the abyss. I, I know my true nature now and that way Knowing my true nature, I know that I was never born and will never die. And it's huge. It's huge to recognize that. It's, it's a refuge. It's a resource and such a blessing. So I am going to ask a question of the group. Um, and it has to do with the fact that all of us here are women. And while we recognize our true nature as awareness, if for lack of a better word, there's so many words we could use, as the divine, as goddess, however you want to word it, um, what does it mean to you um, to show up in this group as a woman and have all women here? It's, I, I don't know exactly what I'm asking, but um, if you wanna word the question differently or answer it however you wish, please feel free. How about let's start with Ellis. <laughs> um, 
Well, first of all, when I look here, I do not see any gender. When I look for where my face is, I do not see a gender. Now, when I look out on the screen, I, I see a gender. Um, and I've always felt that in my life. And I know the question is, what is it like to be here? And I must say, it's really nice to be in a room with all women. I do feel safer, generally. And uh, that's from my own conditioning, undoubtedly, you know, from my life and childhood and things like that or whatever. But for me personally, it just feels really nice to be in this all women group talking about these things. But so um, I can say I feel safer even, or my conditioning feels safer. Let's put it that way. Um, but I think it's such an interesting thing because I've, I've never felt a gender back, back here. You know how some people have come to talk about their experiences with Headless Way and it reverts back. They'll say, gee, in childhood, I always felt this or I felt that. Well, in, I, I never felt a gender. And of course, in this, I do not have a gender here. Gender is, is you know, in, in, inside, you know, part of me. So that's probably enough. <laughs> Anybody else? It's a lot. What do other people think about this or feel about this? Okay, Ellen, you want to go? Sure. It's finally quiet outside. Um, yeah, when I look here, I don't see any gender. It's very neutral. Um, it doesn't feel like a woman. And yet, I feel it's really lovely to be with all of you. And as Ella says, there's a certain safety to being with all women, unfortunately. But that's true. So, Judy. Thanks, Carolyn. Um, I, I find the, these um, uh, Zoom meetings so helpful for this seeing experience because um, here is this space, here is the clarity, which is completely neutral, as you say. Uh, it definitely has no distinguishing marks to do with gender. Absolutely not. And yet on the screen there, is Judy's face out there, not here, um, which is uh, has the label female, feminine, um, like like you, Carolyn. I never felt that in my childhood, particularly, and as I'm lesbian anyway, um, I I always feel very ex uh, comfortable in the company of women. Um, the the matter of gender uh, just never seems to come up because not in this context because uh, as I say the spaciousness doesn't have any of those labels and we are then free I think um, to express um, our human beingness in all the different huge varieties of ways that human beings do that. And 
um, when you look at the screen with all the people there, how different we look. And yet we're coming from this absolutely identical spaciousness. So it's tremendously freeing. It frees one from all those identity limitations, I think. I, I would like to add that I did have a lot of difficulty um, coming um, to terms with being lesbian. And I thought seeing would sort that out, uh, which it did in a way, but it still took many years before I felt comfortable to express that side of myself to the world. I think I used um, um, my true identity. You know, I said, right, this is my true identity. I don't have to identify with that. And yet I did because, uh, yeah, we do. We have to come to terms. It seems to me we have to come to terms with our human beingness and accept it and learn to cherish it. And how much easier that is if one does have difficulties and who doesn't from being space to contain it and everything else. What do other people think? I, I agree totally, Judy, because, you know, I'm 52 and for two years I've come to headlessness, but for 50 years I'm very identified to oh, you're female and Asian. Because growing up, I wasn't even allowed to look up to my father. Like if I ever had eye contact, I would, he would say, lower your eyes. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're not worthy to look up. So being female, Asian, and very, like I'm only 5'1", very like petite. So then that, kind of made me like really small and scared of the world but with two years of seeing as like oh my god when I look here there's no um labels like there's no name there's no gender no size no age no nationality so that has helped me like so much in unwinding and the emotional psychological like um issues in my life and because uh, i used to be like the very depressed and afraid i would be afraid of everything even one time i was in such a state every time the phone rings i would jump like that much just anxiety and fear and worry it was all and, and depression but I'm just happy now that I see my true nature and it's not true and I sometimes get surprised that depression still shows up because I would think you know just just let me be enlightened and die and I'll be happy but no it, I am awake to who I am but I still am living so it's been two years of living this. And it's it's helped me to just feel it and sit with it and embrace it and acknowledge it, but from this open space. And that's really helped me. It's not like, oh, I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. I'm not worried. I'm not anxious. I can say I am, but from here I'm not, but I'm holding it in 
in this loving space. So it could be my sexuality or, or my gender or my culture, but I'm not affected by, by it. I used to be, I used to be very like, just tight, wound up within myself. And I think that's, um, it has helped my emotions and even my physical health. Slowly, slowly. Thank you. Katie, thank you for mentioning emotions because I think that that's one area that, um, that females really um, often experience differently than men. And, and I don't mean that in um, a stereotypical way, but um, for, for both men and women, um, emotions, it's so easy to identify with them, right? To identify with emotional states of depression, anger, whatever it is. And there's, again, as other people have talked about here today, there's this freedom in, in headlessness, in, in identifying this view of pure awareness, pure loving awareness and cultivating that, you know, that the emotions come, it's, it's not problem free, right? <laughs> There's still, you know, the depression may come, the anger, all sorts of things. But there's this sort of um, equanimous or um, non-judgmental acceptance and view of, of these things as they come. And there's this freedom as well, so that when anxiety comes, for example, one doesn't have to identify with that anymore, what, you know, and it just sort of fades, you know, and so the freedom, I really appreciate the freedom. And, you know, the other thing I was thinking about listening to the others here talk today uh, is that conditioning that, um, you know, that we've spent so many years of our life being a person and like, you know, living as a person and identity of all that conditioning that all those things that we, we learned since childhood and in headlessness, there's just instant freedom from that, right? So there's, in the pure awareness, the conditioning happens and we can watch it and notice it. And it doesn't exactly, you know, um, disappear, but the freedom comes from noticing the space where we're viewing it from, right? From noticing the clear, open, open space, which is free of the conditioning and um, it's really, it's a wonderful refuge. So, um, and I, I just, one more thing I wanted to add to is, is just talking about um, being a female and, and learning about the headless, headless way. In spirituality in general, it seems to be dominated by men, or it has been historically, like many things, patriarchal systems have dominated lots of our um, societal systems for so many years. And again, in headlessness, though, there's this freedom or sort of non-hierarchy. So, um, you know, no one can see better than somebody else. It's just, it's just here. And so in that way, there's this equality or there's this non-hierarchy and freedom to be as one is without having to follow any sort of societal norms or anything like that. It's, it's really wonderful.
have something to add to that. Um, and we don't have to fit into some kind of pattern. Fears are free to be uniquely themselves. And there's, there's no right way to behave or, or speak about it even, really. That's the way it has developed, that um, when people are coming from their source here, you know, speaking from their true nature, um, then what, uh, there's no one to say that, that what they're saying is not right. It's their experience, it's their truth, and that's respected. Um, and so we can have a very nice conversation with people because we're all talking about uh, the same experience, but we might be using very different words and we might actually have very different situations in which um, we are seeing. Um, and we don't have to say to, to anyone else or think about anyone else, well, they haven't quite got it right <laughs> because everybody is coming from who they really, really, really are. And when you first have done the experiments, you know, you know what it's about. I think before people have done some of these simple experiments, um, they probably, I certainly was, uh, have just got the idea. And that's very different, isn't it? The idea are very different from actually seeing that one is looking from no thing and one is full of the world. And we do have a funny language, perhaps. Um, you know, it's a, it's a language that might sound a bit strange at first, but uh, it's pretty accurate, I think. I've been on um, the Zoom meetings now, and some of you have too, for years, right? Uh, many years. And I love that we, don't, we, we can't argue. <laughs> you know, we really can't debate about the experience. We all know we, because of doing the experiments, we, we all see and we all recognize that we see. We all, I know that you're, I really do know you're looking from this space that I'm looking from. And, and so then we can, I don't know, it's so strange. I find it incredibly fascinating, even though we're not debating, and, you know, the way like an academic environment or uh, something like that. Just, it's amazing to be in the presence of people for year, day after day, not arguing about this. I don't know what other people's experiences are, but maybe, maybe I grew up in a household that argued with each other a lot. I don't know. But anyhow, it's just so freeing to, to just know, know, know that about everyone. That fundamental agreement. Yeah. So that brings a question up that often comes up among people who see, maybe catch a glimpse of this. And a question that comes up is, can it be practiced? Can it be developed through practice? <laughs> I have words to say. <laughs> I just, um, 
yes and no, meaning it cannot change. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would say the seeing doesn't change. Seeing doesn't change. On the other hand, the, as, and I know people have said this, it just sounds like an idea. The meaning of it or how it's working out in our life, in my life anyhow, is changing every day. It changes my little things that I do if I'm, you know, sewing masks or I'm doing Tai Chi. It changes everything. It changes how I walk down the street. And uh, so I do practice. And there are people on the Zoom meetings that really encourage that, like Michael and Christine, you know. And I, so I put things on the refrigerator uh, to remind me or I, I, um, I read everyday seeing, let the quote play with me during the day. Um, so yes, I do practice. I do practice these very simple exercises. They're so easy. You don't, you don't have to sit down anywhere and do them. You can just, wherever you are, walking, sitting, talking right now, I see where my head is and where it isn't. Um, so... Um, sometimes I'll think, oh my goodness, I haven't been aware of it for X amount of time. But when I look back, I see that I was still headless. It didn't matter if uh, there was awareness of it at all. And um, that's really helpful to me. It can't be otherwise. I mean, one thing that's interesting is try to imagine that I do have a head that I am, you know, there is some being in here that's looking out and making judgments, thinking, feeling. That is so ridiculous. I can't even entertain it. I was thinking of um, an analogy this morning of this truth that I cannot see my face i do not have a head here it's only the spacious capacity i'm looking out of and but at the same time i mean it's always there but it is also good to have things to remember that and that's if that's a practice um so my analogy is like i'm breathe this body is like breathing i'm always breathing whether I am aware of it or not. And it's always in the background and it's the truth I'm breathing. Otherwise the body would collapse. Okay, so that's the truth. It's going all, all the time. But as I am walking or talking, I don't have to be always checking. Am I breathing? Am I breathing? But um, because I have these anxiety issues, I sometimes I really have to practice um, belly breathing, like deep abdominal breathing, so that like the, 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 the breathing is not from the higher chest level, but below like the belly. And that's when I really focus on it, even though I know it's happening. So with the practice of the headless way, what helps me a lot is, is, um, I have this diagram of 
of one of the books in Douglas Harding's and I photocopied it and I pasted it on my wall so that when I wake up, I'm, I, I, it's always there and it starts my day. And the first thing I would ask is, okay, look for your face. Can I see my face? No. And that's it. Like it just, it's so helpful. That, that's one of the most helpful things. And also the books. I always have books with me. Like I would recommend this one. This one is called The Freedom to Love. And it's a book about Doug, Douglas Harding's um, wife, Catherine Harding. And I Kareen, the author is Kareen. How do you say the last name? Visor? Visa. Visa. Karen Visa. Karen Visor. It's it's great. It's um She's Dutch and Catherine is French. Yes. So those are the two practices is um in the morning and also through the day I pick up a book. Katie, this is just a technical thing, and since this is being recorded, something is happening on your end where you blur out and then you come into focus, then you blur out and you come into focus. I don't know why. Does anybody else notice that? Yeah. I, I, okay. I, stop I didn't. Moving. I think I that's not moving. Then I, okay. I, the camera okay. is still trying to focus me. I got you. Okay. Just, just wanted you to know that. Thank you. So I wanted to say something about the question of the practice and does it get easier or does it sort of grow if one practices it more? And I, I mean, I think it does. It's sort of a cultivation of loving awareness, just like cultivating anything. The more one does it, the more, the more it grows and becomes present for one. But I don't think it's ever something to worry about or strive for or to, um, it's sort of effortless, really. Um, I, I, I think that if one were to kind of like try to cling on to it and hold it and um, st be, become stressed about, you know, trying to see headlessly all the time, I think that might be counterproductive. And the, the thing about it, too, that, you know, I love just to relax into it and to let it flow as it comes and goes, you know, and... Um, I think that's sort of the beauty of it, allowing it to just be present at times. And the times when I'm, you know, very much identified with, you know, being a person in this body and this, you know, image of self, it's, it's okay. Um, you know, if I, I suppose if I were headless all the time, I would might not appreciate it as much, right? This sort of coming and going, forgetting and remembering that sort of pattern. So I found that um, as time, you know, over time, I've noticed that sometimes I practice more and other times I practice less. And what the emphasis I would say would be on just recognizing the effortlessness of it and just abiding in seeing and allowing that to come through you or through like to grace itself 
upon this body. It's like it starts to live you. The void, the abyss, the stillness, the, the openness starts to live you. And just resting in that and allowing it. And that's the beauty of the headless way is that if you feel inspired to do, that's okay. And if you feel inspired to just be, that's okay too. Because it doesn't change the scene. And it's all part of the play. It's the Leela of it, the play of it, the dance. I think that's really lovely what you said about allowing who you really are to live you. Um, in my life, I've always been uh, into self-improvement. I don't think I'm alone in that. <laughs> but I think I had a heavy dose of uh, sense that, that improvement was needed. Something perhaps to do with my Catholic upbringing. Um, and uh, as time has gone on, um, what you were just saying, Christine, has happened. Uh, allowing behavior, uh, things that I do and things that or Judy does and says and um, that some people might think were not the best. Well, okay, that's what they think. And interestingly enough, I've had some um, confirmation of that because there have been a few instances in my youth and I look back and I thought that really was not the best thing to do. That was a very um, bad way of meeting this situation and that I was seeing at the time, you know, and it didn't come up with the right answer. And two of these occasions, and um, I've described them lately to other people who said, oh, but the psychology books say that's exactly what was the right thing to do in the circumstances like that. <laughs> So I'm much encouraged by that. And I think um, when we rely on ourselves, uh, we, we're not relying really on our small selves, our little, little one, as we sometimes call it. Uh, we're not relying on, the, on that which has all the answers. And when we rely on this, our uh, backing, our uh, uh, huge self, our uh, empty, empty source, then the answers are there. And um, I think we ought to mention problems because we can try and avoid problems, can't we? But also problems are a really good way of making one come back to this practice. So problems can be extremely helpful. Do, other, do you find that? Do you find that that's the case? I certainly do. Yes, almost as a pointer, you know, almost as a pointer when something, when there's a problem, it's almost a you know, pointer for me to, to notice the space that I'm seeing from. That 
that actually brings up another point I really want to emphasize because some um, newcomers to the Headless Way might make an assumption that this headlessness will solve all your problems. You'll be in this blissful feeling forever and you'll never have to deal with anything harsh again. <laughs> so just understand that that's not reality. That's not reality. It doesn't mean that your problems are forever, you know, going to be in your face either though, because you can step back and be upstream of problems, emotions, thoughts, feelings, sensations, pain, the past. You're upstream of that all. And it's all out there, just like there's colors, there's shapes, there's some, there's different things outside that pointing that way. And I'm pointing my finger away from my face. And then the place where there's no, none of that is pointing toward to where others see my face. So it's this two way pointing and it's kind of like putting them at the same rank as shapes, color, size, distance. Um, all that is on the view, the content, and then that's all content. And then pointing inward is that which is aware of it, of the content. And so it allows a person a little step back or upstream of those things, which is really, really just putting some spaciousness to it, giving it space, which is such a blessing. It's true. Um when I used to be into non-dual um, people, I used to watch those um, Buddha at the gas pump interviews and people would have this instant like enlightenment and never feel bad again. Um, and that was so misleading. And I think it's true that um, the headless feeling is pretty ordinary. But at the same time, I can just say that truckloads of junk have dropped away. Um, not through anything I did either. I, I don't tend to practice anymore anything. Um, but just that feeling of um, the past. I had a very traumatic childhood. And all that's just gone. It doesn't affect me at all. Um, we were talking a little bit about depression and loneliness before this this um, call started being, being recorded. I feel really lucky. I don't feel either of those things. I really don't. Or if it is, it's a smallest hint. I do feel anxiety. It has not reduced that at all. But just I feel really, really light and... Um, especially when I'm around other people, I feel like 
if I'm in a conversation with somebody, I just feel like so empty and light and whatever they say is fine. And whatever I say just comes. And so I have experienced a change and yet I still feel like Carolyn also, you know, there's that two, two sided thing to it. I still have a, the same personality. I, you know, I recognize things I do, things I like, things I hate, like that leaf blower that was just out there. Um, it's kind of a paradox in that way. But one of the things that came out of this when I felt the true nothingness here was a complete uh, no, no more seeking. I, I went into a, um, after leaving that workshop with Richard, my friends took me into a psychic bookstore, you know, a spiritual bookstore. And I'll just, I just felt like all of a sudden I didn't want to read any of those books. I didn't want any statues. I didn't want any incense. Um, the thing about gurus is completely gone. Um, it just, whereas I had been very much a seeker prior to that. You know, like just waiting for it to happen and this big special um, state to come upon me that no more suffering and yada yada. So I actually don't practice. Um, I just every now and then notice, can I see my face? No. And, you know, there's not even the slightest demarcation between here and there. Um it used to be I felt contained in this and everything else was separate from this. And now that I see that this isn't there, there's no way to be separate. I really love that, Carolyn, what you just said. Yeah, that, that really resonated. So, so um, well articulated and yeah, it's, it's so great not having a need to find something or to become something or do something that it's just all right here. And it's always just right now, this complete fullness, this complete feeling of oneness and um, yeah, it's so hard to put words to it. Yeah, it's like the true meaning of namaste. I'm in you, you are in me, and we trade faces. We become one another. And there is exactly like you said, Carolyn, there is no way to be separate because we're built wide open. And when you look down, look down at your body, and then you can see what Douglas Harding calls the bottom line. And looking up from that bottom line, there's, there's no thing. Where others see my face, I see no thing. And 
sometimes people come up with questions like, yeah, but I can see a smudge of my nose or I can, of course I can't see my face because my eyes are what are looking. But like the experiment we did with Katie, the eyes are just part of like, it's like a tool. We, our whole body is a tool in the universe. And we're not seeing out of two peepholes. We're not inside of this little head of ours. We're not like a little me person standing inside of our head, looking out of two peepholes. We're not our brain, our gray matter. We're not like this gelatinous gray bunch of gunk. We are awareness. We're that spark. We're the spark of recognition in that universe, that spark of life that's aware of itself. And that's, it's just beautiful to know that. And I, I like what, um, you just said about being built open, Christine. And Katie mentioned the book about um, um, Catherine. Um, built for Loving, was it? Is that the title? Can't remember. Old Asia. Freedom to Love. The Freedom to Love. Freedom to Love. Um, when, when I was little, um, I was at school. Uh, because it was a Catholic school, um, there was a terrific amount of emphasis on on love. Um, God is love, and we should love one another, and love others as yourself, and and all that. Um, overtly, I don't think my childhood was full of love. Um, it wasn't expressed anyway. It was there. Of course, it was there. My mother did love me, but she wasn't demonstrative. And all my life I wondered, well, what is, what is this love? <laughs> you know, what are we talking about? Is, is love the thing that makes you go and sacrifice your entire life for somebody else? Um, is, is love what, what's being expressed when someone gives up their life for someone else? All those questions seemed to be an enormously big thing. And then through seeing, of course, this openness, and Douglas hit the nail on the head. He said it so beautifully. We are built for loving because we are built open for others. We are built to give them attention. And attention is such an interesting word, isn't it? Because it means to pay attention to attend on someone, to look after someone, to, to be there waiting for the needs of. And just attending is something we do when we just want to listen to somebody, to, to hear what they're actually saying. Um, and, and this clarity which we are, this silence which we are, enables us actually to hear what other people are saying. And it 
You mentioned that uh, this simple um, insight here, noting here, um, is so uh, simple, so clarifying, and especially in this sphere of love. What does it mean? It just means to be open for someone and then to see what you do, to see what you do next. And we are made that way. We are actually made to be like that. It's not something we have to achieve. And I think that's so beautiful and it's so simple and so clarifying and it takes away all the, um, you know, the sense of, I don't understand what this is all about. It's obvious. And Catherine, Catherine is um, Douglas's wife, second wife, is uh, somebody who is very French and very free with her expressions of love. And that's so beautiful. You know, um, there again, love is a kind of fraught situation, isn't it? When you talk to people and you say, I love you, oh, it can go wrong so much <laughs> um, in so many different ways. But we can also, from our spaciousness, truly say, look, I do love you. You are lovable. You are lovable. And also see people's frailties and their faults and their, um, you know, the, the, the other side to them. Because people are people and um, there's no perfection to be found in the world out there. The only perfection is here. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm, you know, from, from here I'm unlocated. I also don't have a head, but I'm unlocated. So I'm located in you. You know, that's, that's where I sense a location. I don't know if that makes sense. But that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, I feel located in you because I'm not located here. So all my location comes there from you all. And I call that love. Well, in, in that book, the book... Um the freedom to love it was during the funeral part and Catherine was reading something during the funeral and one part that really touched me was was she was saying what Douglas have taught her and um, the one thing that stood out for me was self-giving love is the power behind the world so self-giving love is the power behind the world and for me that was saying i do not have a head or anything blocking 
what is in front of me. So everything is uh, loud in. I disappear in your favor. So that's the self-giving because I don't have anything here to, to, to say, keep out. So that's the loving part. And because I'm, because it, the truth is we're, I'm built this way, then everything can come out and go back to the void, come out and go back and it's allowed. And so I, I've been pondering on that sentence for, for a week or two now after reading the book. It really, it's very beautiful. Self giving love. Because if I think I have a face and Katie and the personality and my problems and my neurosis, whatever you say to me, it's, I, I can't listen to you because I am behind a face. But, but because, because I don't, there's no, there's nothing here to block any, anything or anybody out. And there's nothing here to allow anybody to leave as well. Like it comes, the world comes out uh, and the world goes back. Because when I first was headless, I, I was like over the moon. I'm going to a workshop with Richard. Alice, you were there in Pennsylvania. And it was just like a couple of months after I did the experiment and came to the headless way. And my boyfriend was there. And I was overjoyed. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to be a couple. We're going to be headless together. And I, I just like a week after the workshop, he broke up with me. He broke up with me and I was crying. It took me six months to go to get over the, the, the heartbreak. I mean, because we were together for like five years and I just thought, oh, it's the love of my life, you know. Anyway, so this, because I don't see my face, I don't see my head, I'm not, I can't block anything from coming out or going back, being taken away or something showing up. And, it, and, it, and that's the self-giving love. And I just, yeah, it just helped me so much to, to, to whatever shows up, I can always see that I have a refuge. Like when problems come, it's an invitation. Like when I feel I'm crying and I'm heartbroken, I can always look for my face. And I see that there's this boundless clarity is always here, the divine backing. I have a resource. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid someone's gonna go away from my life. And I'm not afraid anything that's problematic coming. I used to think anything and everything's gonna happen to me that's gonna be bad. And now it's like, okay, I'm at home, dry and safe. That's really lovely, Katie. Mm, what you said.
I agree. I don't know. I found that emotions just have come even stronger. So you can say the problems maybe help me point back, but uh, it, you know, it, sadness, anxiety, they, they, they seem stronger. <laughs> they seem stronger, but, that, but they're okay too at the same time. And so they're clear. Right, you're not resisting them. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of seems like somebody turns the lights on when when I notice the headlessness. It's like everything becomes vibrant and technicolor. Mm. And I think about all the energy that I used to spend um, on those identifications and being kind of stuck in places. That takes a ton of energy. So suddenly, when I notice the headless space. I feel very energized, like just massive amounts of energy and excitement coming through. I wonder if other people feel that as well. Do you, do you feel energized by, by notice, simply turning the view to here? I feel very fresh, refreshed, I would say. Um, and even with the most terrible difficulties and losses and um, heartbreaks, looking, coming home to myself, and it, it, it doesn't even have to be sight because the headless way can be used with any sense. It can be through, through hearing out there, silence here. Um, touching objects to this kind of like open objectless sensations that just appear. So um, it's not just seeing, but when I come home to myself, you're right. I do feel like colors are more vibrant and Things just are placed and it's true. And recognizing that trueness is just a relief because you're not necessarily believing all your stories. You're not contracted so much. You're not so contracted around objects and stories and this is how it was and this is how it's going to be and you're not like caught up as much. It just allows some breath. So I think that this would be a good time to kind of wrap up our conversation. If anyone has any final thoughts to share or messages, or if they feel inspired to share anything, this would be a great time. Maybe a final sentence about living from this or anything would be fine. Um, do you want to go, Catherine? 
Yes, I would love to just to add um, one sort of final thought, and it's just simply how wonderful it is to be in a community of seers, to meet often with other people who share this, and to hear other, to hear experiences and thoughts, or, you know, just to hear, um, to share this, seeing um, and attending the, the frequent online meetings is a great way for that. Um, so just a, just an encouragement or an invitation for people who are interested to join in for those. There's so much, you know, the mainstream world is so much not, you know, it's the identification with all those other things. So I, I just find this so helpful and I'm so appreciative of, of all of you here today. So, yeah, thank you. Um. I echo what Catherine just said. Um, being in the community is really important to me. Uh, one of the things the Zoom meetings do for me is break down the conditioning. We are all so conditioned. Um, I also want to say don't try to figure this out. I was in a group of people who are new to this at our workshop recently, and they all had very elaborate, very Baroque philosophies and they wanted to you know I don't know kind of fit this into that or you know figure this out in that way and I just kept saying to him it's really simple can you see your own face and that's a good place to start and a good place to end I like to follow that it's true I love this community we have Zoom meetings and it's free and and I can always bring up what's happening, my issues or emotions or feelings or questions. And it's so helpful, so supportive. I, you just have to email Richard and you can get the links. We have meetings five times a week. Thank you. And do the experiments. That's the key, the experiments. That's what I'd say. And uh, gosh, then the books are great once you've done the experiments. <laughs> Douglas wrote a lot of words and Richard and, uh, you know, they wrote a lot of words and poetry and all kinds of things. Um, and I would say there's so many opportunities. It's quite different, the Zoom, I think, than gathering. I think physically gathering is wonderful. I really do. Um, also, just practicing with people in your own neighborhood, like Catherine and I live in the same neighborhood. Um, all of that's really good. So community is very important, very important. Yes, community has made all the difference, I think. Um, I can hark back to the early days when um, people used to argue a lot and they had objections. And uh, like you just said, that, um, Carolyn, people wanted to fit this into the philosophy that they already had. And... Uh, of course, that still happens because everybody's got some kind of philosophy they live by. Um, 
but things have changed and um, people don't resist in the way that they did before. And it's amazing how this is spreading. I, I'm astonished um, that the people uh, who come to the Zoom meetings, they turn up every week, maybe two or three times. And, you know, this is absolutely wonderful. Um, it's, it's not easy, I found, to interest people, to show people in your own surroundings. I found it quite difficult, and I think other people probably do too. Um, but then that doesn't matter now, because we've got the worldwide web of seers <laughs> who uh, we're all linked and we're all communicating, and we are changing the world. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. The world is changing. And hopefully, in this direction, it will gather pace. And I'd like to thank Christine for starting, you know, for suggesting this and having this meeting. It's a little bit different. Um, it's lovely to hear women talking up because um, by and large, uh, often it's the men who talk most. Um, but what is really nice in a conversation like this is you don't have to talk all the time. We've had moments of silence, which is really uh, comfortable and homely. Yeah, homely, very pleasant. It's been lovely to talk with you all. Thank you all for, for showing up and coming home to yourselves and recognizing your true faces and being who you really are. And also thank you, Richard, um, for people who want to find out more. Again, it's headless.org. You can also email Richard Lang and Richard Lang can send the links to the weekly Zoom meetings and can provide more information. Um, and again, don't be afraid to look up videos on YouTube on this. And there's the Sam Harris Waking Up app. And in that app, if you scroll to the right section, you can find Richard giving several podcast um, little clips on the Waking Up app, which I believe if you email Sam Harris is free at this point for 30 days. So there are many, many resources available. And as everyone said, see for yourself. Don't take other people's word for it. Please see for yourself and, and just stick with it. Trust this. Trust the void and see what appears in it and see for yourself. So thank you all and blessings to you. Thank you. Wonderful to see you all. Yeah. Wonderful to see. Thank you.